Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield. And this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. episode number 127 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. First of all, like ever, thank you very much to our Patreon supporters. We could not create this podcast without you. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do it from as little as £3 a month. The quickest way to do it is to go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram page. And on their profile, you will see a link tree drop down box, which will direct you straight to the Patreon page. And if you're not able... That's fine, because this content is free for everyone. If you listened to last week's episode, you'd be aware that we have got a virtual exhibition coming up for all the 97%er artists. And if you're unaware, a 97%er is an artist that doesn't use their art practice as their sole income. So yeah, it's a virtual exhibition. It's £15 to enter, unless you're a badge holder, and then it's 12 And the best thing is, the artist gets 100% of the sale price. And all proceeds go back into supporting the podcast. So everyone's a winner, right? But anyway, back to episode number 127. We've got an artist that was described as the crown prince of pop art. And that is Lobster Man himself, Philip Colbert. As you'll hear at the first five or ten minutes of this podcast, Philip and I are speaking about Dougie Fields, the artist who was the first I ever wrote to while I was in prison. And rightly so, the first ever guest on this podcast. Now, Philip became good buddies with Patrick on the last few years of Patrick's life. And I'm sure Philip won't mind me saying this, but could it have been possible that they was destined to meet just a few years before Dougie passed away, just to give him enough time to hand over the title of Crowned Prince? I'd like to think so. In this episode, you'll hear the rapid rise of Philip Colbert, and now it's only taken him just a few short years 
to the point where he's had a couple of shows at the Saatchi Gallery and constant sellout shows in the Far East. And if that wasn't enough, he's now taking over the digital world. I mean, he was halfway there a year or so ago when he had a show at the Saatchi Gallery during lockdown that was just attended by robots. But now he's gone fully digital with his show at Lobsteropolis City, which was curated by Simon de Puri. But anyway, let's hear more about that from the man himself. So please, come and join me over Zoom when I spoke to Philip Colbert. The very first artist was Dougie Fields. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. He was such a nice guy, Dougie Fields. He was beautiful, wasn't he? Back Talk to him. Yeah, yeah. He was amazing. the very first episode on this. We spoke at, um, uh, near his home in the graveyard there, the, the ah, Bronx great. Cemetery. Ah, love that graveyard. Yeah, As and that's where we've done it. Artworks there are of that graveyard. Yeah, he, I mean, he's su- he was such a character, Dougie Fields, and he was, he was such a positive artist in terms of he was always like, you know, he always had time for people of all positions and he was like very generous and he wasn't, he didn't have like a toxic ego. No. He was a very positive figure and, and like his art is even has that vibe, you know, it's like, yeah very you know very positive and, and and you know he was an amazing you know an amazing sort of identity is the way you know he dressed and his whole interiors and everything I mean it was a really cool guy no I was quite inspired just to have like you know you know sort of um, a basic sort of friendship with him when he would come to my shows or like we would meet up and um, I, and yeah I always just find him such a, a positive amazing guy I mean, looking at your work next to each other, you could well have been visual relatives, you know? Definitely. I think I think we, we connected with each other. And I think he saw that in me as well, like this sort of affinity with the primary colours and like the dialogue with pop. And, um, and yeah, so I think that we definitely had like a, there was definitely an art chemistry going on yeah. between, and also our influences, like, you know, the things that, the artist that he was really inspired by, very similar to the artist that inspired by me, are inspired, have inspired me. And then, oh yeah, and I think what also I love with him is that he did loads of collaborations and he was really interested in clothing and the way he presented himself and art being a bit more than just the painting. He really like pushed out of that into wider sense of things. And yeah, for me though, the ultimate thing with him is just, he just had good energy, you know, I think yeah. that's worth a lot, you know, I think. Sometimes art can, you know, take itself more seriously than humans because I think human beings are what art should celebrate. Not uh, it shouldn't create egos, which then, you know, then have bad yeah, energy to yeah. other humans. Well, Dougie was definitely a walking artwork, wasn't he? What? Um, yeah. When, no, when you speak to Dougie, you enter his world, don't you? And and that's yeah. what I love. I love an artist who builds a world that they invite other people, the viewer or other artists into. Yeah, and, definitely. And you're okay. definitely that yourself. Well, yeah, I definitely believe in that also, the idea of like the idea that, you know, an art, when art just basically makes a language and effectively creates like this visual world. And and um, and, and for me, the, the part of that is the, the, the power of art to create um, a level, like a, a merger of fantasy and reality. Like you can bring fantasy into reality because reality is malleable it's not like a fixed thing it's like reality is whatever people choose to see or the way they choose to believe and so i think that's why it's so important to constantly break that 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 cage of like of maybe being too conventional or too um black and white and i think 
that, yeah, that's why even, for example, you know, someone like Dougie, you just look at Dougie and he's got such an amazing, or had such an amazing, like, persona, that, that alone would be inspiring to someone just to see him walking down the street. You know, so that's a great starting point. Was you ever able to go into his home? No, I never visited it in person. It was one of the things that, like, we constantly talked about, like, me going there and stuff, it just never happened. Um, it was like that. walking into a computer program. No, I can imagine, yeah. yeah you I mean, know, like one of like the world you've just created yourself. Yeah. It was like being immersed in that. You walked through his front door and you was in any any of several paintings, you know? Mm, amazing, yeah. No, I love that about it. I mean, I did I did some, during lockdown, the first bit of lockdown, I did a few, like, Zoom chats with him. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and you know, he gave me tours of his house and stuff. And it, it was amazing. I mean, I'd seen it already in pictures, but it was, it was so cool. Well, there was... A question that I want to ask you, which is about um, lockdown, which I'll just put to the side for a sec. If I could just tell you that there's seven questions that I ask each artist. Um, the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Um, well, I'd like to th think that I, I, um, I guess I, you know, I bring a, a, a sort of sense of, of, of uh, energy and irony and I, I, I'd like to think like philosophical analysis into contemporary art, and but with, but while making it very accessible and um, you know, in, well, I'd like to think like um, what would I say emotive to others? Like I'd like to to feel that my work is a punk a pop like sort of um, you know sort of uh, energy that just that to, to try and inspire others as well. I think I think like. Accessibility is really important and just inspiring Great. with creative freedom, you know, like that that's the, the key for me is this idea of like, you know, the, the celebration of individual freedom and, the, and also the celebration of the individual and also like and not getting too caught up in the pompousness of art history. I mean, I love art history, but I think the art world can sometimes become a bit up itself. So I think it's very important to stay, you know, um, stay real. With it. Yeah, well, you have a lot of art references in your work, don't you? You um... Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in art history. I think that, you know, art is a language and the, the language of the past informs the, what art is. And, and people, you know, are able to enter that discussion and change the, the, the possibility of art. Yeah. What they have to say. Did you have art in the home growing up? Not, not really at home, but I did... I was really always interested in art. So I always had like more of a photographic memory for things rather than, I wasn't particularly academic otherwise. Yeah. I was pretty, I was very much spaced out as a kid. You know, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really particularly engaged in school and stuff. So, uh, you know, it was very much like uh, um, coasting along sort of on the verge of, <laughs> of failing all the time. Um, and, and actually often failing most actually. <laughs> <laughs> And so, but I was, I was definitely like, so I was, I was a bit of a, a dreamer type kid a bit, uh, and a bit disconnected. But the one thing I was always connected with was images, paintings, and the idea of like art. And I think it led in from my interest as a kid almost into the idea of treasures and like yeah, yeah. the realm of magic and, and myths. And then how art became like a, a sort of extension of that with the legend of the painter. The, the, art, the, the value of the art and yeah. the window into another world through the frame. And I think, I, I think those, those sort of things just were impactful for me. So I think 
it was always something I had a, a reverence for towards or an interest a value to in basically. So I guess, yeah, but it took me a long time before I had the confidence to really, you know, make art in a direct way. I mean, I obviously I was working in, in fashion and clothing and trying to make wearable art, but it, it took me a, a long time before I was able to like actually put myself out there as yeah. an artist. Do you know when it was that you decided you wanted to be an artist? Well, I always wanted to be an artist. Yeah, I always wanted to be an artist, but didn't really think it would be able to be an artist, true, true but I guess I didn't really think I'd be able to make a living from being yeah. an artist. So I, I, um, it was only really when, I guess, when it would have been sort of mid, like 2000s, like 2000 or maybe 2008, something like that, that I started really, um, I guess, pushing myself to do that and I started making artwork or making like selling exhibiting artworks while I was doing clothing design but but it was like as I said it was like art clothing but I am um, and then it took a while before my confidence or my feeling to just make that bold step fully into in, in away from let's say fashion into yeah into art so it took a, it was like a slow transition and then I, I guess in like maybe 2000 and um, 16 or 2017, I, I, I completely focused on it. Oh, wow. So it was a relatively um, short period of time then. When did the lobster make his appearance and, and the, why? The lobster is is something that I, um, I've i had for a while, probably like a symbol associated with, which I've been sort of doodling and stuff for a while. So, yeah. And then the um, probably in my clothing design, I would use the symbol of the lobster a lot because... I, for me, it was like a keyhole icon of surrealism, like a, a way of hitting out the icon of surreal, the protagonist of surrealism, yeah, the cartoon yeah. lobster. So I would sketch this cartoon lobster, and then that became like a bit of a motif thing that I would wear on suits and stuff, or make chairs or various other objects and vases. And then so people started calling me the Lobster Man because of these <laughs> lobster symbols I was putting out there. It was probably the most recognizable of the symbols I was using in terms of the one that stuck. And then, and then, yeah, so then I already had created this reputation as being the lobster man. In, not in a, in, a, in a massive, like, worldwidely known as a lobster man, but certainly in a, in a smaller sphere, as I would yeah. call me the lobster man. So then it sort of, I, in a way, then created this label. And I thought, well, that's actually helpful because it's I almost have been baptized the lobster man <laughs> already anyway. Yeah. So, it, it, it's quite obvious that I just become, I, I just, you know, that's just the evolution of my creative language. I just become that and take that journey to go on a journey with that. Brilliant. And then before I interrupted you a little while ago, when you mentioned lockdown, during lockdown, I saw a, um, a clip on the news when you was at Saatchi Gallery and you'd made the robots going around and it, yeah, it was it was a great thing and perfect timing yeah it was like I, I guess it, it the, the idea came to me because I guess in lockdown it was such a weird time to do an art show and so the idea of like but I didn't want to do nothing because I thought well you know you've got to still try it's not like I was yeah I could rest on my laurels as a super artist and just take a year break I mean I needed to keep moving forward yeah. and so it was like well got to do something and so I was thinking your brain doesn't stop thinking or creating does it you know yeah I think sometimes also you just I think it's important to have an attitude where you just make the best of things and I think yeah. and I just felt like the gallery 
the, the museum and the gallery felt to me at that point like on a no-go zone, a bit like I thought a bit like a oh, shipwreck under the under the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. You know, it's like impossible to get to. So I thought it will, you know, a bit like sending diving cameras down into it. I thought, well, actually, it's quite interesting to treat the gallery a bit like there's no-go zone, but send robots in. And so, yeah, and then I just thought, actually, you know, we, could be really cool to do that. And and yeah, funny, it was completely worked in my favor because normally in the opening of my exhibition, you know, like I'll be lucky if I get like a news crew, I'll be very lucky if I get a news. And in this case, like, there was tons of them at the, the, the entrance. And this was during like a few days before a proper lockdown. So it was a total nightmare time to have an exhibition. <laughs> but it somehow actually worked well for, for me and my show because the show was designed in a way to work or it was created for that. So it, 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 and it sort of made it news relevant. Yeah. Um, which is our art often is trying, you know, wants to be news relevant, but most people don't really care about what an artist has to say ultimately because it's not necessarily news. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I know what you mean. Um, so, so yeah, so, and then actually the phenomenon, funny enough, Dougie was one of the first people that I um, I had like as, as a guest to go around the show. And so I actually met him there as a robot myself. So we were both robots and I, I gave him a tour of the exhibition and stuff. And it was really cool, just the phenomenon it created just by this telepresence in a physical space, yeah. looking at art as, as, as robots. And, and, it, and it did have like, a, there was a performative part of it, which felt like a piece in itself. Well, that, that show was viewed online. And I suppose the next step from a physical show to a sort of semi-digital show brings us to um to your most recent episode being Lobsteropolis City. Yeah, so again again, this is something that over the lockdown I was feeling like because I've been I've been working on this digital world for um for, for it's been for a couple of years really. I've been since since the evolution of my lobster character and um it just felt very and I you know part and parcel with the lobster character was also this background of where the lobster lived and like and that that had been slightly inspired by what, what I spent um, some time in Joshua Tree in California, and I really loved this outsider place where lots of people would go, and when they didn't have much money, and they would build crazy houses and almost live in a sort of bubble of fantasy yeah, world, yeah. where you know the regulations are not so strict on housing, so people can build crazy sculpture parks. I've seen them, I've and there was a, a, a there was a Noah Purifoy sculpture park, an outsider artist that. It was um, an African-American artist and a very, very amazing artist, like one of the great artists in, from my opinion, the 20th century. And he, he was like an outsider and he, he quit the art world and he moved to Joshua Tree and basically built this remarkable sculpture park out of recycled materials you find in the skip. Yeah. And, and it was a triumph of um, creativity and like, you know, just against the system in a way, just being able to work completely in your imagination using rubbish. And to create something that was epically amazing and beautiful, and so I, I remember being really affected by that and thinking it's a remarkable thing. And, and um, so it's always been stuck in my mind as Joshua Tree being this like cool counterculture place. And so then when my lobster was developing, I just connected with that, that backdrop. So you sort of, and also I love the Salvador Dali desert like yeah. reference too. Yeah. So it became a sort of Joshua Tree Dali like backdrop and then it had this cactus house that I always wanted to build in real in Joshua Tree so because it was expensive and complicated to build it then it just became something that the lobster lived in virtually yeah yeah and the rest then just evolved after you know 
from that. And then, so I'd had this digital world and then it felt in the lockdown that I should really be taking this, putting it on a platform so that people could be interacting with it. Yeah. And then, and then with the birth of the, NF, the, the real growth and, and development of the digital art movement with the NFTs and things and it, and, and then Decentraland really evolved at a crazy speed. It just felt actually it would be a good opportunity to put it online and put it on Decentraland, which yeah, is a really interesting platform. Yeah. And then, and, and I, I worked with these guys at Vega City, who are the biggest like land um, holding group in, uh, in Decentraland. And they amazingly were, were game for doing this like project and, um, and they've been really supportive with it. So, and, and the idea was really that it would be the single biggest, you know, single artist project on Decentraland because it is like creating a whole world in, in a world. But for those that don't know, could you just clarify what Decentraland is? And also, you mentioned about NFTs. Could you just describe NFTs? Yeah, so Decentraland is like a metaverse platform, other world platform where, you know, people have avatars and they um, go into this virtual world and they can interact, they can buy things, they can view digital art, have conversations with people. So they have, it's like a proper you yeah. know, world, yeah. digital world. And the property prices have become very expensive and, you know, it, 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 it's developing a whole ecosystem. So it's become its own, its own world in a real way, which is crazy. Um, and, it, and it's evolving very fast, you know, like lots of brands are doing things there and lots of you know, artists are doing things there. So it, it, it's, it's a community that's growing very quickly. Um, so that's Decentraland. And I think it's very interesting in the future of Decentraland is very interesting um, in terms of it's growing very quickly. So, you know, it's quite bonkers to think what could could be possible there. Um, then the NFT is obviously this non-fungible token, this way of making digital art um, synchronized to the uh, blockchain. And it's um, it's become a new way that people can, can appreciate a video art and um, and it's created a market for, for digital art in a way that never really existed before. Yeah. So, and I think that's given, I guess, a uh, finally sort of crowned the, the significance of digital art by giving it this platform. And in fact, there's no question that digital art is the, is the art of our time in terms of it's the medium of our time. So it, it, there's a few things have aligned basically to make that this movement particularly interesting conceptually. I mean, it's the, the digital world is one of those that is advancing at a rapid rate. And people that aren't involved in that world, they find it hard to keep up with, with the rate that it's moving, you know? Because you you're even inviting people to make their own avatars, aren't you, as well? Yeah, well, well that, that's the Decentraland thing. People choose their avatars, so they, like, create a persona. And then they, and there's even the craze where people, um, you know, can buy wearables and stuff like clothing for their avatar, and they're very expensive often. These wearables, so it, it's it's a really a its own ecosystem. You know, it has tons of businesses now working in there. And you've got Simon de Puri. Yeah, so he, he's someone that um, is obviously quite an established art world figure, and and um, knows knows a lot about art, and is a really interesting character. And he he's someone that I guess. I've collaborated with a few times over the year. Yeah. So he's, and he's always quite open-minded about things and he's quite interesting, you know, he's quite, he's quite a, a risk taker in a way. He's not someone that, that just hides behind their brand and reputation and, and plays safe. He's, he's quite a, he's a very creative guy. So he's, yeah. he's always, he's always up for, in just, you know, ideas. And hence he, he was very 
Sweet had to also get involved in my robot project and he did um, some tours and interviews and stuff as a robot run the exhibition and he um, and, I, and I just thought it'd be really cool to bring in a few personas into my space and get them to interact with the, the whole thing so I also worked with the band Devo which were a legendary um, yeah. new wave band in America for me one of the most important art bands you know concept bands really pop bands that there are up there with the pill and the sex pistols and stuff in my opinion brilliant and the viewer how can they see lobsteropolis city so they go basically to they log on to decentraland and then they they find uh vega city which is the district yeah. so lobster land is in or lobsteropolis is in vega city and they um they then you can't really miss it when you're in vega city because it's a massive um development and and then they just go in and, and there's tons of stuff to see brilliant in there it's, it's really quite exciting isn't it well yeah I, I mean for me what's interesting about it it's it's it feels like profound in one way and then meaningless in another it's like and i think there's always this this thing when you're trying to do something slightly different and a bit new let's say and trying to create like for me the what's new about this is, is the phenomenon of, of of the articulation of let's say i believe in the art world so literally having my art world and then allowing people to interact with it, like a really interactive sculpture in a way, but the whole art world is interactive. Yeah. Is allowing someone to walk into a Dali painting and interact with him and interact with him, interact with the, the language in the painting. So I see it as like a, a profound development in the possibility for art and language, art language, yet very accessible, which is cool. It's a bit like a theme park, like a, yeah. like a Disneyland theme park. So it's, so it's got that history of like, obviously, Banksy doing this, um, Dismal Land, you know, is an interesting example of that also. So for me, it's like a metaverse, you know, theme park art world where it's very accessible, yet also trying to do something exceptionally groundbreaking in my in my attempt, I got my belief. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I guess the, 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 the win is that we create, there's a phenomenon in, in the interactivity and, the, and the, all these different elements at play that create a new vibe of what of art of, of something that's yeah. been created you know what i mean like a it definitely feels like um a part of the art world that is about to to blossom it's, it's on the brink of erupting even you know yeah i think so i think it's um i think certainly on a conceptual level i think it's you know because the NFT rise is amazing, but the next step for that is like the context, the context, the digital context yeah. to the piece. It's like the, it's like the digital gallery, the digital world, you know. And so, um, I think that that's for me what I think is, is yeah, it just allows for this um, the reinvention of experience. Because you've created you've created several NFTs yourself, haven't you? For yeah, so I've worked this. with this platform, Super Rare, and I've I've done some with them and. We're going to have some more through the, the gallery the nice. in, in the space. Brilliant. So I think, again, for me, that felt a lot more interesting than just making NFTs. I felt that, you know, the NFTs were cool, but I liked the idea of having it set within the world. Because yeah. that was like taking... Gives them, a bit of, gives them a bit of visuality as well, doesn't it? You know, a bit of, a bit of substance where you, where you can actually go and view them in Yeah, in exactly. Picture. It's the bigger picture. Ironically. Um, if there was you and five other artists, Philip, past and present, what do you reckon your ideal group show would be? Um, yeah, I, I think 
I mean, I, I love like artists. I, I love the Kiriko, you know, Giorgio de Kiriko. Nice. I love um, Calder, you know, um, obviously what other artists. I mean, ones that I'd say I really connect with artistically. Leger, I love René Leger. I think yeah. he's an amazing, amazing painter. Um, who else do I really like? I mean, that's, I don't know, is that five? Probably already. I love them. <laughs> I love Arp, Jean Arp. I love Dubuffet. I like Nikki St. Fowl. Brilliant. Yeah. And if you wasn't an artist, what do you reckon you'd like to be? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think in a way, you know, some people are very uh, can make art out of anything. You know, like you can sell ice cream in, in an ice cream van and it yeah. become an artist somehow. I think for me, I guess the, the I think just being, I mean, luckily being an artist is, allows me to be very excited about what I'm doing. And like, I think it's a very lucky privilege to be an artist because a lot of people are supporting society in a way like yeah. um, art is a way, the, a bit of the free froth of society to some extent. So it's, it's, a, it's a very luxury to be an artist ultimately. But but I think, you know, um, I, I guess just having the loving what you do is an amazing privilege to love what you do. I mean, and I always get inspired when I meet people that just take great pride and passion in what they do. It could be like someone that, that yeah. operates horse tours at, at a pleasure beach, or it could be someone that, um, a fisherman, or it could be, you know, anything. I think just, just because there's poetry in everything. And there's meaning in everything. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm, that's why I'm always like inspired by people that basically just really appreciate things. Like, because I think, you know, yes, there's all this materialism and um, layers to culture and society and, and, and dynamics of what people achieve in their lives and stuff. But ultimately, it's no more meaningful than, you know, just looking at the stars at night. So I think, yeah. you know, just, I think just um, being lucky enough to just, really love what you do is the key i think somehow oh beautiful if that answers the question is a bit vague but no i think it's, it's beautiful it answers it perfectly so other than um lobsteropolis city what else is on the on the horizon so i've got another show coming up in uh, in a museum in korea so i'm just working on that in in um, busan and then people in korea love the pop art don't they yeah, well, Korea is very enthusiastic for art in general. It's got amazing, um, there's amazing energy for art there and people are super friendly, you know, open-minded and, and very enthusiastic. So it's a, it's a really interesting place to show art, I found. And then also Taipei is an amazing city I really like and, and I've got another show there in October. Um, so, yeah, I think so. And I've got another, I've got a museum show that just opened in, um, in uh, Quanxing in, in China. So... So yeah, so these that sort of, and then I've got I've got another cool art um, music project. It's not quite agreed, but if if it happens, that would be really cool. I mean, I've been working on the idea of it, but it's not fully finalised. Where can people see what you're doing, Philip? Be it online or um, social yeah, so media? Yeah, I think on my website. Generally, I keep like a pretty track of shows, like maybe not the most the ones that are currently on, but certainly the ones that have been before. On Instagram, I generally try and keep my work on there and then and then obviously hopefully now in lobster lobsteropolis city i'm hoping to just keep pushing that forward and like using that as a, as a real showcase for my world really and i presume that, that city can be an ongoing 
an ongoing thing yet. There's no date constraints. Um, yeah, so it, exactly, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So I think it's just, um, it, it's, um, what would I say? It's like, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. So I think we'll see like, you know, I mean, obviously I wanna, I wanna keep building it and like, I, I believe it, it's, it's an interesting concept, sort of conceptual project for me, but um, it's hard to know obviously like how, where it will go. It's very much the start of well, it. Well, it's, it's as soon as you open it, it's sort of no longer in your control then, is it yeah. really? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that. Nice. Well, Philip, I think that's all my questions asked. Amazing. Well, Have great you, questions. Yeah. Anything else to add, do you think? No, I think that's, you think you covered pretty much Good. everything. I was in the I was in the Fulham show with Charlotte. Oh, amazing! That's yeah. so cool. I, you know, I I went to that show when Charlotte was setting it up. It looked amazing. Yeah, it looks pretty cool, doesn't it? I mean, her work. It's yeah, I don't know if you know, but it stayed in that room on its own pretty much. Yeah. Um, there was um, a couple of paintings. Well, depending on which way you come to it, there was a couple of paintings on the far wall in that room, and and that was about it. And it yeah, it did it did look quite ghostly and. On, on yeah, amazing own. setting. And amazing it, was, setting. it was a pretty cool building. I was down in the cellar. I had, yeah, a, wow. I had a room down. I was amongst the um, the street artists. Yeah. No, it was it was a great show. It's coming down. It's coming down this week. Which is, is it? Uh, yeah, there, yeah, 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 that's a pity because it, well, it was an amazing exhibition. Yeah, it looks so cool. I mean, yeah, I love just that that backdrop for an arts show is just amazing. I mean, I love derelict spaces. They're just so romantic looking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a few, since it's been on, there's a, a few people have sort of like hired the place out to go and um, use it as a backdrop, you know, wow, for, for whatever. Yeah, yeah, That's good. So cool. Okay, mate. Well, thank you very much well, for your time. So I really do appreciate well. it. Such and, a great, um, inspiring story of how art can be positive impact on the world. There you go. Philip Colbert. How cool was he? I've been looking forward to speaking to Philip for quite some time. So thank you to KTW London for setting up that connection for me. So, Lobsteropolis City, his first fully digital exhibition. In a virtual gallery, in a virtual world. Is it going to be the way forward? Who knows? But if it is, Philip Colbert's beat most of us to it, that's for sure. And having Simon Dupuri curate your show is pretty cool as well, right? Maybe that's another one we should look at trying to get on the Ministry of Arts podcast. So that's about it. We've got another episode out Thursday. That's going to be artist and curator Amy Jackson. And you'll hear that Amy is curating the alternative art trail for the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. And that art week, which has now been extended, becomes the Kensington and Chelsea Art Festival. And that runs on until the end of August. So you've got plenty of time to see the work on show. And that's this Thursday. So, I'll see you then. Well hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, sad art.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.